one of the prides of this country is the peaceful transition of power. Are you saying you're not prepared now to commit to that principle? What I'm saying is that I will tell you at the time. I'll keep you in suspense. Suspense! Chomping at the bit. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. A little scared. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. From the Pacifica Radio Network in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM KSO in Cottage Grove, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI News Radio, in Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui, in Columbus, Ohio, on WGRN 94.1 FM. In Palinville, New York, on 102.9 FM WLPP. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul, on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And yep, streaming coast to coast and around the globe on the intertubes. Streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn. GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us. Well, 25 total debates, at least by our best count. Uh, that have been held so far in the uh, election 2016 cycle and that we have covered this cycle. That is to say, all of them, I'm pretty sure, beginning on August 6, 2015. I think that was the first Republican primary debate. That's 12 GOP primaries uh, debates, nine Democratic Party primary debates, one vice presidential, and now three presidential debates as we finally reach the end today, at least in theory, uh, at least for the Brad, uh, the Bradcast post-debate coverage shows. Uh, Desi Doyen, you have been here for all of them. You slogged through another very long night last night, pulling audio for uh, for the uh, this crazy debate incredible, in Las Vegas. Yeah, incredible, incoherent, and word salad. That's pretty much it. <laughs> but the good news is the end is nigh. That's all I'll say for the moment. Uh, last night at the University of Nevada in Las Vegas, Republican nominee Donald Trump and Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton met on the debate stage for one last insane moment. And ultimately... While Donald Trump was largely on his best behavior in a debate so far, at least in the first 30 minutes or so, uh, and there were some actual issues of substance discussed, thanks in no small part, frankly, to moderator Chris Wallace from Fox News writing Heard over uh, both of the nominees, it still resulted in some rather unprecedented moments for any U.S. presidential election or any modern U.S. presidential debate, because of course it did. Setting aside the insanity, which we will get to in a moment, uh, the questions, as substantive as some of them were, once again, were very much 
straight off of Fox News, as has been the case in pretty much all of the debates this year, uh, even the ones not moderated by Fox News anchors. And uh, in the bargain, there were, again, no questions about many of the issues the country wrestles with, actually every day, actual citizens, like uh, major issues about race, police violence, student loan debt, accountability for Wall Street scams, voting rights, or, as I'm sure you noticed, Desi Doyen, Still no question on climate change, uh, which uh, Demos correctly described last night in their complaint about this as one of the greatest threats to our planet's future and the next generation's livelihood. Paul Krogman uh, tweeted, climate change never comes up unless Hillary Clinton brings it up. Debate moderators have completely failed on the most important issue. Peter Dow said the next generation will look back in horror at how little focus there was on climate change in these debates. And I agree. But putting that aside for the moment, the big issue that we've been talking about uh, all week, Trump's repeated and increasingly strident claims that the election will be rigged. And in fact, that they already are being rigged by massive voter fraud, a claim for which there is absolutely zero evidence. That, of course, came up during the debate and has been the topic of discussion just about everywhere ever since. That, even after Donald Trump had promised to accept the results of the election during the first presidential debate just a week or two ago. Here's part of, the, uh, part of that question and Trump's initial response to it. You have been warning at rallies recently that this election is rigged, do you make the same commitment that you will absolutely accept the result of this election? I will look at it at the time. I'm not looking at anything now. I'll look at it at the time. First of all, the media is so dishonest and so corrupt, and they've poisoned the minds of the voters. But unfortunately for them, I think the voters are seeing through it. They're going to see but, through but, it. But, sir, there's if a... you look, excuse me, Chris, if you look at your voter rolls, you will see millions of people that are registered to vote that shouldn't be registered to vote. And that is true. Uh, people that have moved or died uh, and after they moved or died, they forgot to call and unregister themselves to vote. Uh, yeah, some of those folks are on the list, but they are not voting illegally, at least not more than a tiny handful in any event, as all studies over many years have shown time and time again. More on this in a moment with my guests. Uh, but uh, just uh, today... Uh, it should be noted. Well, let me give you actually the 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 headlines were remarkable after these exchanges about uh, whether he'll accept the results. New York Times Times said Trump won't say if he will accept election results. A blaring headline. Washington Post Trump refuses to say whether he will accept the results. USA Today Trump won't commit to accepting vote results. And in a very rare six-column headline for Rupert Murdoch's Wall Street Journal, yes, that's the owner of Fox News, Trump won't commit to accepting vote if he loses. Today, I suppose, feeling the pressure, sort of, Trump said uh, at a uh, an event in Ohio, I want to make a major announcement today. This was in Delaware, Ohio. I would like to promise and pledge to all my voters and supporters and to all the people of the United States that I will totally accept the results of this great and historic presidential election if I win. <laughs> yes, he actually said that later in the speech. He said, of course, he would accept a, quote, clear election result. 
I would also reserve my right to contest or file a legal challenge in the case of a questionable result, Trump said. We'll talk about all of that and much more uh, that everyone in the media uh, may not have been discussing quite as much uh, with my guests today, both of whom you will be familiar with by now, I suspect, as both have been with us for a whole bunch of these 25 debates over the past year. First up, welcoming back our still reigning post-debate coverage champ, the one and only Heather Digby Parton, known as Just Digby to many on the internets. She's the creator of the Hullabaloo blog, a con regular contributor at Salon.com, and a prestigious Hillman Prize winner for opinion and analysis journalism. Oh, Heather, welcome back to our final post-debate coverage show. Glad to be here. Glad it's over. <laughs> yes, I know. I hear you. It's not over yet. We still got three weeks, but at least the debate part is over. The debate part's over. Uh, all, yeah, sort of. Also joining us today, <laughs> once again, the equally great, uh, our old friend David Day and financial journalist, contributing columnist at Salon, Fiscal Times, New Republic, The Intercept, uh, Washington Post and just about everywhere else, and the author of the new book, Chain of Title, How Three Ordinary Americans Uncovered Wall Street's Great Foreclosure Fraud. Hey, David, welcome back to the broadcast, sir. Hi, Brad. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, hold the suspense no longer. Uh, there were some actual issues of substance, as I noted, but it was Trump's response to whether he would accept the election results or not that have pretty much sucked up all the oxygen uh, out of the air, rightly or wrongly, uh, since he responded to Chris Wallace. So let's get to this first. I want to play the uh, slightly longer exchange here. And then we will get into the bigger picture questions and specifics and so forth. But let's let's talk about this rigged election. Here was the second part of that exchange between Chris Wallace and Donald Trump last there night. There is a tradition in this country. In fact, one of the prides of this country is the peaceful transition of power. And that no matter how hard fought a campaign is, that at the end of the campaign, that the loser concedes to the winner and that the country comes together in part for the good of the country. Are you saying you're not prepared now to what i'm to that saying principle. is that i will tell you at the time i'll keep you in suspense well okay? chris let me respond to that because that's horrifying you know every time donald thinks things are not going in his direction he claims whatever it is is rigged against him uh the fbi conducted a year-long investigation into my emails they concluded there was no case he said the fbi was rigged he lost the iowa caucus he lost the wisconsin primary he said the Republican primary was rigged against him. Then Trump University gets sued for fraud and racketeering. He claims the court system and the federal judge is rigged against him. He didn't get an Emmy for his TV program three years in a row, and he started tweeting that the Emmys were rigged against him. Should have gotten it. This, this is a mindset. This is, this is how Donald thinks. And it's funny, but it's also really troubling. Okay. Now, that is not the way our democracy works. We've accepted the outcomes when we may not have liked them. And that is what must be expected of anyone standing on a debate stage during a general election. And let's, you know, let's be clear about what he is saying and what that means. He is denigrating. He's talking down our democracy. And I, for one, am appalled. Well, that was quite a role from Clinton there uh, in response to uh, Donald Trump's claims that he want, wants to keep us all in suspense. Uh, OK, obviously, uh, Trump will accept the results if they go his way. 
but he suggested he would challenge them otherwise, or as Common Dreams headline had it last night, Trump will let nation know if election was rigged once he sees who wins. Heather Digby Parton, you wrote about this at uh, Salon today, where he he largely said the same thing again today, hedging his right to uh, contest. I have some thoughts about that I'll share in a minute, but your thoughts on on all of this, uh, Heather? Well, I mean, you know, I don't think anybody anywhere suggests that he doesn't have a right to contest the election. That's really not what he's saying. I mean, if it were, you know, a lot of people have used the Al Gore um, 2000 example, saying, well, he contested the election. Actually, the election was very close. There was an automatic recount. They went through the process when the process ended at least at a point where Al Gore made the judgment that going any further would be destructive, he he conceded. That's not what Trump is talking about. And there's something else he said last night that that you didn't catch in your clip, and I just want to I, I want to point it out because I think mm-hmm. it's actually what he's talking about. Okay, mm-hmm. he said, um, I talk about millions of people. Tell you one other thing: she shouldn't be allowed to run. It's crooked. She's guilty of a very serious crime. She should not be allowed to run. And just in that respect, I say it's rigged because she should never have been allowed to run for the presidency based on what she did. That is what he's talking about, that it's rigged. And the reason I think that is because that's birther, that's a form of birtherism. Mm. And, and, in fact, Rebecca Tracer at the, at the New York um, Times Magazine last night, or the New York Magazine last night, described it as, False criminalization is birtherism. In other words, she, he's saying she was ineligible to run, the same way he was saying that Barack Obama was ineligible to run. And, and this is a way of delegitimizing the presidency. And I think that that's really what he's talking about. He may say at the end of the day, if, especially if it turns out to be a, you know, a, a win that, that is uncontestable, at least in terms of the returns on Election Day, mm-hmm. um, he may say, yes, okay, you know, I, I, I accept the results as they're saying, but I do not accept her as president because she had no right to run because mm. she's a criminal. And that, I think, you know, we're going to hear lock her up going forward, and that is where I think he's going to take this. And we don't know where he's going after this election if he loses, and, and it looks more and more like he's likely to lose. Um, but that is, I think, you know, that's going to be the bloody shirt he mm. waves uh, going forward. Uh, so that's what I think he means when he think, when he says it's rigged. All this other stuff is part of that, but I think that's what we're going to home in on um, after the election. And I, I think you make an excellent point there, and I think that's what we're going to see for the next uh, four years, at least, if she wins. But the the way the media is are, are looking at this, they're saying the Republican nominee for president has refused to commit to a peaceful transfer of power following an election. They are uh, beside themselves about this. David Dayen, is is this as devastating and disqualifying as the uh, the media seem to be painting this since the moment it happened? Or is, is the answer to that question, uh, yes, it is disqualifying, but only because the media and the talking heads are, are wringing their hands about it uh, so much? Does that yeah, I think part of it's self-fulfilling. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if the media said it's disqualifying, then they've, they've set the parameters and they decided that it's disqualifying. The, the one thing I would, I would add to this is um, as, as, as much as we bury the past in this country, I'm having a little bit of trouble remembering the era of comedy, even along the lines of this. 
Carl Rove came to power by challenging elections mm -hmm. and winning them in Alabama, uh, particularly judges' races, judicial races. Yep. Uh, uh, that was how he made his fame. Uh, I certainly remember after uh, George W. Bush came into office, there was this uh, contretemps about how uh, the Clinton White House staffers took all the W's out of the typewriters uh, and the keyboards in the White House, this attempt to make them look petty like they weren't uh, 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 engaging in, uh, you know, that was a form of silent protest. Which, which turned out not to be true which at turned all. turned out to be completely untrue. Right. I, I, I remember... Antonin Scalia being asked about the Bush-Gore decision and essentially saying, get over it. Mm -hmm. uh, I just don't remember this world where, uh, particularly on the Republican side, certainly uh, when, when Al Gore exhausted his options, regardless of how he got to that point in kind of a bungling manner, uh, he said, I don't agree with the Supreme Court's decision, but I accept it. Uh, on, on the right, there has been a campaign, and, and you can add the birtherism to that, of delegitimization of a president uh, who is Democratic, mostly for the reason that they are Democratic, mm -hmm. that, that they are Democratic yes. presidents. Uh, you know, you can substitute in whatever uh, complaint that they have at that time, but generally the, the, the common thread is that they're Democrat thus they are illegitimate, and that has been true for, you know, the last 20 years, I'd say, going back to Clinton, yeah. number one. So, you know, I, I don't think we should see this as terribly out of the ordinary, I guess is my point. That, and, and there's been this attempt to make Trump the alien other, this, this, this person who's come on the scene and, and destroyed all of the norms uh, and, and, and the good name of the Republican Party, and I, I'm sorry, I just don't see it. And, and there were a lot of uh, right-wingers, I've got a long list of folks who were just, you know, beside themselves. Many of these folks were never Trumpers anyway, you know, that, oh, he's disqualified himself, I can't believe he said that. But David, on, on well, on the amnesia, you know, I had one of those never-Trumpers on earlier uh, in the week on this program, the former GOP chair from uh, New Hampshire, you know, who was very upset about all of this rigged election talk. But when I brought up, uh, you know, when I asked him, hey, doesn't you, don't you and your own party have some uh, culpability here after you've been, uh, you know, pushing these voter fraud myths for so many years? He said, right. no, no, we haven't done that. As a party, we have not institutionally pushed these myths. Oh, please. Yeah. I, I, I was... <laughs> I was flabbergasted. Heather's, Heather's the one to answer that because she's written about this extensively about how Republicans sort of flip the game on efforts by people like yourself, Brad, to talk about the vulnerability in voting machines and to turn it into their issue. And I, I know Heather's written about and, that for years. And, and Heather, let me get your thoughts on that, but let me play this one, this clip, because it goes sort of along with this. Uh, clip 19, Des. Uh, this was Steve Schmidt, uh, who was John McCain's uh, campaign, uh, campaign chair or campaign director back in 2008. Uh, he was asked about uh, Trump's refusal to accept the election results. He called it a clear and present danger to our constitutional order, to our republic. And then it was pointed out that in 2008, 
You actually had John McCain in a presidential debate claiming that ACORN and their voter fraud, which didn't happen, is tearing apart the very fiber of democracy. And here's Steve Schmidt responding to that. And I like Steve Schmidt, but here was his uh, amnesic response. There were legitimate issues around ACORN and other groups that were worthy of discussion, but nobody contested the legitimacy of the outcome of the election. This is not an attack on a group of the Democratic parties that's doing something that it shouldn't be doing. This is an attack at a foundational level on on the institutions of democracy in this country. So totally different than 2008, uh, Heather, (laughs) according to Steve Schmidt. Well, I mean, that's interesting to bring up ACORN because, because that's a perfect example of, you know, uh, that was the, uh, you know, granted, when they, when they defunded ACORN and basically destroyed it, it was uh, under the auspices of these, uh, you know, Project Veritas, James O'Keefe tapes, mm-hmm. which were doctored and were obviously, uh, you know, they, they were a partisan hit job, essentially. They were nonsense. Kind, they were BS. Yeah, they were nonsense. Yes, go ahead. Yeah. And, yeah, they were nonsense. And um, they essentially, they, they ended up destroying an institution that had been put together for many years. I think ACORN had been around for, what, 25, 30 years at that point. Yeah, at least. And, um, and its, its main function uh, was to do a lot of community outreach, but essentially to register people to vote. I mean, that was its main mm-hmm. purpose, and register hard-to-reach people in, in inner cities and various, you know, sort of places that were, that were difficult, and provide community services. And and that was the reason, of course, that it was taken down. It was taken down because they helped people to vote that did not vote for Republicans. And the, uh, you know, timorous Democrats uh, in Washington, shockingly, after the election of the first African-American president, raced. They couldn't wait to get there to help the Republicans defund this organization that had been helping them win elections for years not through any nefarious means, simply by registering people who were naturally entitled to vote. So that, of course, was, you know, and John McCain was right there. They've been doing this all along. In fact, it goes all the way back to the 1960s mm-hmm. with vote suppression efforts in, in Arizona with Chief Justice William Rehnquist, right. you know, um, confronting people at the polls and demanding that they prove their citizenship. Coming all the way into the 1980s after Jesse Jackson, but, you know, in his Rainbow Coalition, registered a lot of voters, and that made Republicans very nervous, and they created institutions like the National uh, Republican Lawyers Association, which is just this really nefarious group that exists all over the country, even today, that its purpose is to go and contest elections at the polling at the state and local and precinct level. So they've been doing this all along. I wrote a piece the other day for Salon. Yeah, yes, elections are being rigged, but by Republicans, you know, the people, they're the ones who are doing the rigging. So, you know, this is uh, our election process. No one knows this better than you, Brad. Uh, uh, you know, it's just a mess. <laughs> it's yeah. a mess. And, uh, you know, it is, it is very difficult to sort of defend the legitimacy. I think what's getting people, uh, you know, upset about Donald Trump is that what he's saying is, is that, you know, the election, essentially he's saying the election is being stolen from him mm-hmm. specifically and he's got this group of yahoos that are voting for him that are kind of scary people and i think that's why people are getting nervous but this what? is not just sort of an, an a, 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 you know an organic 
kind of, uh, you know, argument that our election systems are broken. This is something, you know, he's, he's inciting people to, yes. uh, and to dangerous activity. No doubt. The problem is, um, and, and, you know, the nuance, I guess, is totally lost here, obviously, with a, uh, you know, with, within all the bluster, with all, within all of the, you know, partisan panic uh, as we get near Election Day. I understand people going up against Donald Trump, but in the result, you know, just a few weeks ago, the Department of Justice, Homeland Security was warning us that our elections could be hacked by foreign powers, by Russia. Over, I don't know if you've noticed, but over the last few days, including, you know, the president of the United States has said our elections cannot be hacked. They cannot be rigged. It's like <laughs> whiplash uh, that we have been seeing, you know. I, 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 so let me let me get a couple more points here on this. Uh, get your thoughts. Uh, Ross Miller, who was a formerly the Nevada Secretary of State, uh, theoretically a Democrat, kind of a corporatist one. But he wrote on Twitter last night, it's unfortunate that Chris Wallace asked Trump to commit to an unreasonable guarantee that he would pre-certify election results. Essentially, you know, the presumption being that there will be no problems with the elections and the results. You know, it was a... (laughs) You know, is it fair to say, hey, will you accept the results that you don't even know how they're going to go? All the problems that could happen that have happened in the past. Um, well, I yeah. think here's here's one problem yeah. is that um, and, and uh, Heather has written about this as well, that by making these outlandish claims about voter fraud or voter impersonation fraud as if if there's. Uh, of someone on the rolls with the name Mickey Mouse, as if Mickey Mouse is actually going to show up to the polls, you know, mm-hmm. this, this crazy idea. All of that sort of, in, in the public mind, in the way that in which it's going, delegitimizes the actual challenges and threats yes. to the voting system. And, and, and in part, that may be the strategy in some, in some part. Uh, to to you know it, by turning the tables on that and and making this you know a, a situation of dueling claims uh, it 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 throws out the baby with the bathwater is is mm-hmm. is kind of the the what happens yeah. yeah let me play uh, before we go to break here Chris Matthews uh, because uh, Democrats have had their concerns about elections, and they should, and they still should, and yet, you know, they're out telling everybody, frankly, lying to everybody, oh, no, our voting systems cannot be hacked, they cannot be manipulated, they're never connected to the Internet, which is nonsense, Uh, and it also ignores uh, the concern of insider fraud on voting machines, which is, the and computer tabulators, which is the greatest threat to uh, election results in truth. Here's Chris Matthews, I guess... To his credit, uh, at least bringing up the point uh, last night after the debate. I'm not going to honor any election where there's any irregularities. Well, that's, that's just dishonest because there's still a result. And we shouldn't get involved in saying all elections are totally clean, therefore we should accept the results. We should say the results overwhelm the, the, the numbers. And I think the Democrats have also had their questions over the years about election results. Look at Ohio. 
back in 04 with a Diabol uh, company putting out those election machines. They're still being questioned by people who wonder, wait a minute, what happened with those machines? Yes, uh, thank you. We are still wondering. I'm raising my hand. Uh, they are still being used all over the country. We still cannot oversee the results. The public cannot oversee the results when they're counted by computers, whether it's touchscreen or paper ballot uh, op scanners. So there is reason to question election right. results. But the other thing is yeah. that's done on the right is is changing the nature of who's able to vote before a vote is even cast. Yes. You know, and that's through caging or, or all of these various techniques, purging the voter rolls. You know, in the 80s, Richard Viguerie got up and said, you know, we're, the good government types say that we're supposed to want everybody to vote. Well, I don't want everybody to vote. <laughs> our, our ability as Republicans and conservatives to uh, affect the election goes up as the voting population goes down. So, so this is like a concerted strategy over 30 years to rig elections effectively. Uh, and, and now, by virtue of Trump sort of blustering about it and not making it about that, but making it about anyone that dares challenge me is illegitimate to, you know, be available for that challenge, mm-hmm. it kind of sullies the entire, uh, this entire conversation, and it, it's damaging to voting rights in general, I think. This country and our media are not set up for complex, uh, nuanced issues. <laughs> By the way, that was uh, not Richard Vigory uh, who said that. That was okay. Paul Weirich. Uh, close. I hate to smear Richard Vigory. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, we have actually had him on on the show a few times uh, over the years. In any event, uh, Heather, give me your uh, final thoughts here. We'll take a break. We'll come back with some actual uh, issues from the debate (laughs) itself. Go ahead, Heather. Well, look, I mean, you know, vote suppression (laughs) is a big part of what they do. And I would just add one more, um, you know, one more aspect to this rigging on on the right, which is legal rigging, by the way. They're doing it in legal ways. One, they said they had many... You mean the, the, many the, the voting, uh, rigging the, the voting rolls and photo yeah, ID? Yeah, so making it so that people, right. can, that, that people who don't vote Republican have a hard time voting. Right. That's, that's part of what they right. do. Right. That I consider to be a form of rigging. Mm-hmm. And what, what they've said is, is that voter ID, which, you know, they, they're the ones who've been pushing this for no good reason, they believe that this will help Republicans get elected. They say it outright. So it's not like, you know, that's a secret. The other thing that they've done is gerrymandering. And mm-hmm. the gerrymandering that they... The you know, again, breaking the norms of of <laughs> democratic of you know our democratic system. Um, in two thousand two, they did something they'd never done before. Normally, you do redistricting, uh, you know, after the census, which right. is every ten years. Mm-hmm. Two thousand and two, they broke that norm for the first time in history, and they redistricted again. Uh, once they uh, got a uh, majorities in, in you know in these Republican states, mm-hmm. that's a change. And as a result, over the last you know what now fourteen years, uh, they have now gerrymandered the House to the point where it is going. It would take a landslide uh, for the Democrats to win at least until twenty twenty, when maybe they will be able to redistrict again. And then you couldn't trust them because in twenty twenty two they could easily come back and do it again. So this is going to be an ongoing problem. And that I think again is that you know it, it does. It's not illegal. The Supreme Court declared that it was okay well, that they do that. Well, it is illegal, right? I mean, Florida, they actually changed yes. the apps 
right? That it was so egregious that they, they had to they had to fix it. The courts, North Carolina as well. Yeah, the courts came back uh, and and forced them to change that redistricting, but it takes years. You have to yeah. challenge it under the Voting Rights Act, Section Two, which goes on and on. And you know, by the time they're ordered to fix their maps, we've already gone through three cycles of of Congress. <laughs> So uh, it's it's it is quite the scam. Uh, yeah. All right, let let's take a, a break. We'll come back to more scams like immigration, economy, Second Amendments, and everything else. Uh, with my guest today, David Dayan and Heather Digby Parton, in our final special debate coverage of 2016. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. They're coming in illegally. Drugs are pouring in through the border. We have no country if we have no border. Hillary wants to give amnesty. She wants to have open borders. I want to build the wall. We need the wall. The Border Patrol, ICE, they all want the wall. We stop the drugs. We, we shore up the border. One of my first acts will be to get all of the drug lords, all of the bad ones. We have some bad, bad people in this country that have to go out. We're going to get them out. We're going to secure the border. And once the border is secured, at a later date, we'll make a determination as to the rest. But we have some bad hombres here, and we're going to get them out. Yes. Welcome back to the broadcast with my uh, guests, the bad hombres, David Dayan of the Fiscal Times, Heather Digby Parton of Salon. All right, guys. Uh, well, there was a bunch of uh, su actually substantive questions that came up from uh, Chris Wallace. Uh, they were all, as usual, very Republican-y. Entitlements, grand bargains, Social Security and Medicare are going to go broke any second. Uh, all uh, Many from the right-wing committee for a responsible budget. So that's not a surprise uh, from, uh, from Chris Wallace. He is a Fox News, after all. But that's what we have seen in this entire uh, debate cycle, really. And uh, the, the issues that I think really matter to a lot of folks have not come through. That was a wall, by the way, that amazingly Bernie Sanders was somehow able to break through somewhat, at least uh, during the primary cycle, to his credit. Uh, in any event, this was about after uh, 30 minutes in, Trump had been fairly well behaved for the first 30 minutes. And then Clinton found a way to get under his skin with this comment sort of in regard to the immigration issue. And I'll, I'll let's let's play it and I'll get your thoughts. When it comes to the wall that Donald talks about building, he went to Mexico. He had a meeting with the Mexican president, didn't even raise it. He choked and then got into a Twitter war because the Mexican president said, we're not paying for that wall. Hillary Clinton wanted the wall. Hillary Clinton fought for the wall in 2006 or thereabouts. I voted for border security and there are 
and uh, the wall. Some, there are some limited places where that was appropriate. President Obama has moved millions of people out. Nobody knows about it. Nobody talks about it. But under Obama, millions of people have been moved out of this country. They've been deported. She doesn't want to say that. We will not have open borders. Well, let me that add, that is a, a rank mischaracterization. Yeah, yeah. Secretary, Secretary, Secretary Clinton. We, we will have secure borders, but we will also have reform. And this used to be a bipartisan issue. Ronald Reagan Se was Secretary the last Clinton. president Excuse to me. sign uh, immigration reform, and George W. Bush supported it as well. Uh, Heather Digby Parton, uh, I think uh, that the question about the choke seemed to be the moment that uh, he began to fall apart. She was <laughs> poking him with that. Uh, so, it, well, your thoughts on uh, on that and and the idea that uh, his his point about nobody wants to say it that uh, you know Obama has deported an extraordinary amount of people, uh, but doesn't that actually prove Trump wrong that there is no border security or or immigration enforcement? It seems to undermine his own case. Yeah, I was surprised to hear him say that. I've never heard him say it before. Yeah, he said um, it before. I've seen him in the interview. He? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, I guess I missed it. I, I've, I've never heard him say it before. But, I mean, it's true uh, uh, that Obama has deported a lot of people. Now, he has, it's a very specific kind of deportation that they do. They do this deportation at the border, recent um, mm -hmm. uh, immigrants, rather than what Trump is has been suggesting, which is, you know, going knocking on doors of people in Chicago in the middle of the night to drag out grandma who's been here since, you know, the 60s. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that, that you know, that mm -hmm. has that immigration, uh, comprehensive immigration reform as it is currently constituted, that's the sort of thing that, it's, that is not supposed to happen under that. But the, cur the idea of people who've been caught at the border coming over, that they're deported in a quick in deportation um, process, has been going on during the Obama administration. And a lot of people have been really upset about it, by the way, because it's been, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in some cases, I mean, the whole system down there is very cruel, and people are stuck in these in these uh, camps where, you know, they, were, they await due process, and, you know, there's a, and there's a lot of harsh treatment that goes on with all of this, which ostensibly uh, immigration reform is supposed to deal with that as well. So, you know, I, I don't know why, why Trump would have brought that up other than to just, you know, slam President Obama, which I guess is fair enough, but uh, it did seem to me, I agree with you, it seems to undermine his case that, you know, it's just been a free flow <laughs> of immigrants just walking across the border whenever they feel like it. I mean, that's just obviously not been the case. There was, uh, David, because uh, I want to make sure we get to what, what, a part of this uh, conversation. Uh, Chris Wallace uh, charged that Hillary Clinton has stated she's in favor of open borders, which is something that Donald Trump has been saying. And, and the reference here was to the... Uh, to her declaration that her dream is to have hemispheric, uh, how did it was described, Hem hemispheric open borders, free trade. I know you've been looking through the reporting on the, the, the WikiLeaks uh, that you have been re re reporting while looking through the uh, WikiLeaks email documents. Have you come across anything that might have been actually useful by Donald Trump against Clinton in that debate. And by the way, she said she was talking about energy there. She was not talking about immigration when she was talking about open borders. But ha have you come across anything that could have been used by Donald Trump that wasn't used, that, you know, was usable in a debate setting that people would actually understand that could hurt Hillary Clinton? I mean, possibly the fact that, that she, she seemed to sympathize with, uh, uh, you know, banks about 
about Dodd-Frank and saying that Dodd-Frank had to be passed for political reasons. But um, as far as that specific thing about open borders, I mean, half of it was about energy, but she was really talking about in the future, in some, you know, scenario where, where we're engaged in full hemispheric prosperity, and she was talking to a Brazilian bank, right. um, that, you know, then we could have a, a free flow uh, policy. It was sort of a, a wishful thinking kind of thing, and I actually think it was a bad answer that she tried to blow, uh, you know, put it off on energy. It, no, that's not what she was talking about, but... She, she, what she could have said was, you know, this was this was like some some far flung idea in the future. Um, but you know, uh, I I don't think that. Uh, I mean, we we've seen what's out there in terms of WikiLeaks. The, the the one thing that I actually have written about it was that the most important revelation was this document from uh, from eight years ago because John Podesta was running the transition under under President Obama mm-hmm. uh, way back when. And, and, and what we found is that uh, Michael Froman, who was running the hiring in the Obama administration, a month before the election had most of the cabinet mapped out. And I use that to make the point that, you know, right now is when these big decisions are being made. And so we need to, uh, you know, try to hold a couple thoughts in our head and, and make sure that that Secretary Clinton, uh, you know, is, is involving all members of her coalition and all, all ranges of thoughts and has a real team of rivals in there. Including uh, the Elizabeth Warren wing and the of, Bernie yeah, Sanders yeah, wing, so forth. Yeah. Wing. So, but I, I, that's not something Trump's going to say in a debate. Right. Uh, so, you know, it just, it, I, I, I don't know that it would have been terribly fruitful territory for him, and of course then he got tripped up into, you know, denying that that, that Russian hackers had any uh, responsibility in the WikiLeaks uh, releases, and, and, and then sort of uh, defending Putin, and then saying, I'm not the puppet, you're the puppet, and, and you know, it's it, it sort of... You're the puppet, you're there. the puppet. No, you're right. the puppet. <laughs> no, <laughs> no puppet. No. It sort of evolved from there, so... <laughs> I mean, his entire problem is he had this one good line about, uh, you know, Hillary pivoting off of the, 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 that open borders comment to talk about Russia and, mm-hmm. and, and Putin, and, but he just can't sustain it because he was personally attacked, so he has to go on the attack against that, and it just drives him down it, into this bad place. He can't rise above Instead, anything, he just said... Instead, he would just say, well, yeah, look at it, WikiLeaks. He would just say the word WikiLeaks, and uh, all of his supporters go, yeah, that's right, WikiLeaks, like something terrible happened. It's hard to find something quite—I'm surprised there isn't more in those uh, WikiLeaks uh, disclosures, actually, that, that there isn't something more damaging. But l- let, me, uh, let me move forward, because I want to try to get through a lot of topics here. Um, Second Amendment rights came up right at the top. Hillary Clinton was asked uh, about— uh, you know whether she has cl- said that the Supreme Court was wrong on Second Amendment. And I want to get to this because these are actually issues that are front and center in this election, the U.S. Supreme Court. So anyway, here's her answer about the, the Second Amendment. First of all, I support the Second Amendment, uh, but I also believe that there can be and must be reasonable regulation. We have 33,000 people a year who die from guns. I think we need comprehensive background checks. 
close the online loophole, close the gun show loophole, the kind of reforms that would make a difference that are not in any way conflicting with the Second Amendment. That I disagreed with the way the court applied the Second Amendment in that case. So I see no conflict between saving people's lives and defending the Second Amendment. And here was Donald Trump when he was asked uh, if he opposes any limits at all on assault weapons and high-capacity magazines, and if so, why? You oppose any limits on assault weapons, any limits on high-capacity magazines. You support a national right-to-carry law. Why, sir? I am a very strong supporter of the Second Amendment. Uh, We are going to appoint justices. This is the best way to help the Second Amendment. We are going to appoint justices that will feel very strongly about the Second Amendment, that will not do damage to the Second Amendment. So he didn't answer the question as to why he opposes any limits, and Chris Wallace did not bother to follow, uh, follow up and press him. Uh, Heather, uh, pardon your, your thoughts on, on either of those responses from the candidates. <laughs> well, I mean, I thought I was glad to see Clinton, um, you know, making a, a forthright uh, defense mm-hmm. of gun control or gun regulation, they call it now, um, which, up, you know, for many years that has not been the case with, with uh, Democrats running for president or for any any uh, office, where they had decided some time back, I think they thought Al Gore lost the election because he, he couldn't take Tennessee because of his stance on guns or whatever. So they decided that they weren't going to do that anymore, and that was a big mistake. So I think that uh, I, I'm, I was very pleased to see her do that in the debate, and I thought she gave an articulate case, you know, sort of defending um, the the you know the mm-hmm. sort of basic right. Um, uh, along with the fact that the courts have always decided, even Antonin Scalia and Heller, which was the case they were talking about there, uh, which declared the uh, individual right to bear arms for the first time in 2008, um, even Antonin Scalia, in his in his opinion, said that there that the courts that the government did have the right to uh, regulate firearms. So you know that much I think is fine. Um, you know Trump. I don't know. I listen to stuff like that, and I just go, this guy's got the vocabulary of a fourth grader. I don't know how he cannot explain himself. He doesn't have the capacity to explain himself. So the best he can do is say, I, you know, I'm a big supporter of the Second Amendment, and I'll, I will uh, appoint judges who will help the Second Amendment. I mean, what does that even mean? It's ridiculous, you know. So asking him to explain his position on something is kind of a waste of time. It's a little more interesting to listen to Clinton, who I think does think those things through. And when Trump came back at her on that and said, well, she was very upset when that happened. I saw her. I watched it. Mm. I, you know, I don't know how he did that, but whatever. And her response was, I think, I found it to be quite passionate and very uh, genuine, which was, yes, I was upset because to- I wanted to stop toddlers from being killed every day. I think that's pretty powerful, uh, at least for an anti-gun person like myself, and I admittedly am very anti-gun. Um, I want to hear that kind of thing, is said in plain language. I, you know, she also, I don't want toddlers to be killed. I thought she also made uh, a compelling argument, a turn of phrase, if you will, uh, on, on the abortion issue, and oh, I don't yeah. have time to play that, uh, some graphic conversation there, but she said government has no business in decisions women make, uh, essentially, which is an argument that I would think 
you know, conservatives who believe that government should stay out of, you know, private lives, uh, you know, that they would like to hear. But I, I think there are many who call themselves conservative at this point. They are actually nothing but conservative in any way. Uh, you know, that's just a, a brand name for the for the GOP. But, David, uh, this election, if nothing else is about the Supreme Court and the effect that's going to have on our country over the next how many generations? Yeah, I was glad that uh, to see a, a, a long discussion. Of course, uh, I was left wondering what the Supreme Court the, does the other 363 days when they're not hearing gun and abortion cases. But, <laughs> um, it, you know, I mean, actually, at the very beginning, uh, Clinton did uh, make a, a fairly strong uh, discussion about uh, how she wants a court that uh, stands on the side of the people over the powerful, and, and, and she talked about Citizens United, she talked about corporate decisions on the court, and so, uh, you know, I would have liked to see a more wide-ranging discussion of the court, but, uh, you know, these are, you know, a couple of issues that really animate and define the, 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 the difference between the parties over the last several years, and and in that beginning part, when Donald Trump remembered that he was supposed to look presidential, um, th- 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 it was, you know, a fairly standard uh, uh, ideological mm-hmm. split between, you know, and where the, where the two parties are. Uh, and, and to her credit, Clinton didn't shy away from those, even though uh, not so long as 10, 15 years ago, uh, there would have been attempts to soften uh, the, the gun discussion, certainly the, uh, the discussion on choice, there would have been an, an attempt to say safe, legal, and rare or, or something like that. And, and, and she, for the most part, did not really hold back on that. And that's, uh, that's know, the, 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 the distinction was, was very clear. That's uh, Hillbot David Dayen. I'm also speaking <laughs> with, uh, with Heather Digby Parton. Uh, let me do this. Let me take a quick break. David, I know you're uh, chomping at the bit to talk about uh, the comments about national debt. So let's take a quick break. We'll come back with our last few minutes, talk about that and whatever else we can get to on our special coverage of the final, mercifully final presidential debate of 2016. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. <laughs> Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. He's unfit, uh-huh. and he proves it every no. time You he are talks. the one that's unfit. Lots of luck, Hillary. Thanks a lot for doing a great job. My Social Security payroll contribution will go up, as will Donald's, assuming he can't figure out how to get out of it. It's the Such Social a Security nasty trust woman. fund. Uh, he was like an old man in the park feeding squirrels, arguing with himself. You know, this is a really sad night. I'm just going to say it. This is a very sad night for the country. Um... You can't polish this turd. This is, I'm sorry. You cannot, technically you cannot polish any turd. Is that all there is? Is that all there is? Maybe. Maybe. If that's all there is. Welcome back to the broadcast. 
That's all there is when it comes to uh, presidential debates this year and not a moment too soon. Uh, I'm speaking with Heather Digby-Parton of Salon, David Dayan of the Fiscal Times. Got just a last few minutes here. So I'm, I'm not even going to bother with the clips here. But David Dayan, uh, Hillary Clinton said something like, I will not add a penny to the debt. Donald Trump will add 20 trillion. And I noticed on the Twitters at that moment, uh, you said uh, you were opening up the window and jumping out. <laughs> What, uh, we, what, why is that, David? Well, first of all, she's not. She is going to add a penny to the debt. I mean, it, it, we haven't had a balanced budget in, in 20 years, and there's nothing on the horizon. It, what she's really saying is that she's going to use, you know, what is known as pay-go, where she's not going to uh, add anything. Uh, every program that she has will be revenue neutral, which mm-hmm. is also an unwise idea, given that we're in an environment with interest rates where you can borrow at absurdly low levels to do deferred maintenance that needs to be done anyway, and, and it's blowing this huge historic opportunity. But I, the, my bigger problem is that the apparent uh, outsourced research organization for the Commission on Presidential Debates was this uh, organization you referred to earlier, the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, which had no less than four questions uh, over the course of the debate cycle, uh, in, in two in the vice presidential debate and two last night. And this is a, an organization that almost no one has heard of outside of Washington that is run by Pete Peterson, who's a private equity billionaire who uh, has for decades been on a crusade to cut Social Security and Medicare and uses fear-mongering about the budget deficit and the national debt to try to, to make his case. And every time that comes into contact with actual human beings instead of media pundit types, it is resoundingly rejected in comical fashion over and over and over again from the campaign to fix the debt, which, uh, 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 you know, has gone out into the country and and tried to put together uh, the, the model uh, budget situation, and, and we're shocked to come back to see that people wanted to raise taxes on millionaires to the Can Kicks Back, which was this millennial-focused mm-hmm. organization that they tried to put together. Uh, the most uh, memorable thing is they went on a Team Can drive, because that's what millennials do, uh, and they, they collected 800 cans at a cost of $3,000 a can for this $2.4 million uh, uh, or an uh, expedition mm-hmm. that they went on, so it's a very fiscally responsible organization. Uh, it, it's every single time that a Pete Peterson-linked organization actually talks to, to, to people instead of their friends in Washington, uh, they find that their ideas are massively unpopular. And yet, we hear about them over and over again in these debates, and it constrains what politicians can say about them because uh, it's just become this received wisdom in Washington. Heather, uh, setting aside uh, the the madness, obviously, of uh, throwing a Donald Trump into this cycle and, and where the Republican Party has gone, uh, David makes a point there, and it brings us back to sort of where I started at the top of this show. So many issues that actually matter 
to so many people time and time again never come up in these debates it's it's uh, the 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 right wing the fox news is of the world uh own the agenda even in the regular corporate media is after all of these years after folks like you and david have been right on these issues time and time again is there anything that changes this equation or do we just keep yelling and screaming making noise and uh, hope the corporate media finally pays attention to things that really matter well uh, you know i don't know i mean you have to look at the broader uh, of course it's, it's an ab- it's an obscenity that we didn't get any questions on climate change absolute outrage it it, it, it is <laughs> you know as, as peter dow said that you quoted at the beginning of the program you know, people are going to look back on that uh, with astonishment that nobody bothered to even ask about it. But, you know, these issues do exist, and they are actually being grappled with on some levels. And I have to say that I feel somewhat hopeful as a progressive that um, in this election, I think that progressives were able to flex uh, quite a bit of muscle so far. I think they were able to, you know, push their agenda further than I've seen it probably in my lifetime, to be honest. Um, and, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, we'll, if we'll have, if Clinton wins, we'll have at least 12, maybe 16 years of Democratic presidency. We've got the right wing going completely, you know, insane, uh, mm-hmm. flying over a cliff. And uh, maybe we will see some positive change over the course of time. I mean, you know, I'm an old person, so at this point in my life I see these changes they're happening. I can see them through the course of my lifetime, and they do happen. It's just not so clear in, you know, in the moment. So I'm hopeful that that's what we're going to see. I, you know, I don't feel completely hopeless about this election. And, I really don't. And I think that uh, folks like uh, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, they too are now chomping at the bit. A, a lot of progressives yes. are for November 9th to roll around, uh, if she wins on November 8th, uh, to start holding her feet to the fire. Desi let me give you Desi Doyen uh, a closing thought here. Yeah, the the media I think is what is at the crux of all of this. That's the pivot. That's the fulcrum upon which our future actually depends. It's appalling we didn't have a climate qu- question. You know, it's appalling that Hillary Clinton had to bring it up herself. But worse about this is we're going to see, I believe, a scorched earth policy on steroids now with the Republican Party in Congress, presuming that Hillary Clinton wins. This this is where the media is going to determine what happens with the next four years, at least, if not further. And actually, uh, that's why we cover the media so much. Uh, but even more so, it's up to the voters, I think, to start uh, pushing these people out of office when when they need to be pushed out of office. But we have to make sure that people can actually vote. We got to get out. I know we're running late. So uh, my thanks to uh, uh, both uh, you, uh, Heather Digby Parton of uh, Salon.com. Uh, find her at at uh, salon.com and digbysblog.blogspot.com and on the Twitters at digby56 and David Dayan uh, also at salon and fiscaltimes.com and theintercept.com and on the Twitters at ddayan. Uh, you you both have been indispensable throughout our uh, uh, primary and uh, general election debate coverage. Thank both of you uh, for all for today and, and for so many days uh, prior to today, guys. Thank you. Thanks yeah, for having thanks. me. 
We will uh, probably be talking to you again either before and certainly after November 8th. All right, I got to get out. My thanks also to Desi Doyen uh, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, feel free, download it at bradblog.com for free uh, or over at iTunes or your favorite podcast site. Uh, thanks also to those of you who support us at bradblog.com slash donate. That is greatly appreciated. You can find me on the Twitters. I am the Brad Blog there and at Facebook. And drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. All right. That's it for our special debate coverage. Maybe some more tomorrow. We'll see. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.